banning books are nothing new. Hello, welcome to the Detroit Joe podcast. Today we are going to discuss an old issue in this country that deals with our children and their education, the banning of books. I guess due to COVID and so many more people reading with nothing to complain about, the issue of book banning has raised its ugly head. This topic got so out of line that even MSNBC had to jump on it and say, stop, how dare and who would think anyone has the right to ban any book? Who are the book police in America? Like many of you, I researched the banned books of my childhood. Many I read in school. They were not banned then, or maybe we should give credit to the Detroit Public Schools for having good judgment. We all read To Kill a Mockingbird and The Diary of Anne Frank in junior high school. Authors such as James Baldwin and Toni Morrison are the heartbeat of American literature and college. And if they are banned in universities and colleges, professors are not even listening to them. Being a teacher in the Detroit area, the author Jacqueline Woodson's short stories are in the eighth grade reading book, yet banned in some school districts. I just found out that Judy Bloom is also banned. How insane can this get? I could go on and on about this foolishness, but we have Aaliyah McCoy from Wayne State University, an expert in the field and a social justice librarian to help us make some sense of this banning of books. Miss McCoy, welcome to the Detroit Joe podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. We are glad to have you, especially being an English teacher. Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my um, subject areas over at Wayne are all related to the social sciences. So we have African-American studies, gender sexuality and women's studies, and urban studies and urban planning. And the interesting thing about it is how they all kind of intersect and, uh, you know, just bringing the students into awareness about how to do research and things like that are a part of my job. And so I feel like this banned book issue that we're going through is even more pertinent to a younger generation because I have children. I have three uh, school-age children as well. Smart little children. Thank you. Thank you. They love to read. And, um, you know, in Detroit, it's not so much of an issue. But outside of the city, these students have these books being taken away and... 
I just am glad to have librarians uh, taking it seriously and taking action. That's why we have this event coming up, you know. Yes, I do plan on being there. When I heard about the banning, all I could say is help. This is out of control. And we know that it's not just about books, that it's about who's going to control who. Yes. This summer, I found out about the book, All Boys Aren't Blue, and I got it from MSNBC. It is a beautiful book about the coming of age as a gay black boy. What I loved the most about it was how the main character became one of the divine nine and embraced by his frat brothers. Some of you probably are saying, who are the divine nine? Those are your deltas and kappas and the fraternities, sororities. This is a book that all boys and girls in high school should read. But I'm sure that they aren't. But I'll say this, go and get that book. What do you think? has brought this banning, or should I say hate, to the front. I think that people are scared. People are scared about new ideas, and they're trying to control the narratives, I think, um, on various topics that are you know prevalent right now in our social climate. And because of that, they want to start with the younger generation, and I imagine they have good intentions about it. Um, some of them do. But some of them are just acting out of that fear. And it is turning to hatred because these books aren't hurting anybody. These books are really informative for kids, whether or not they make the decision to take on whatever the book is talking about, whether it be being different in some kind of way or, you know, now we have a lot more diversity in books than they did when I was a kid reading. So even things about kids with disabilities are available now. And so I think that when we think about this we have to think about it from the child's perspective of just no longer having access to it. And for someone to want to take that away is just ignorance. They're not thinking about how those students or how they would have wanted that knowledge, especially in this climate where I think kids are confused about a lot of things that are going on. And so when they don't have access to literature from people who are taking the time to inform them and write, there's such a gap in knowledge and these people don't care about that for whatever reason. They're just so focused on ideas not being expressed. And, you know, Lord knows with the Internet, there's no way to stop the expression of ideas. These children are on TikTok and on uh, Instagram. So regardless of whatever they decide to do with books, these ideas are going to be presented to them. I think there's also a, something to be said about people not liking to read anymore, period. And so it's interesting when they do decide to take action in regards to libraries and books like that, it's taking rather than giving or enjoying or contributing. So it's really frustrating because there's no right answer on why necessarily. I think some people just follow suit with what a group is doing too, you know, so that group think mentality comes into it. I was uh, joking with a colleague that it would be really nice to write a book about book banning for kids. And I think I'm going to work on that because you know, what are the kids thinking about this? My kids haven't had to deal with this personally because in Detroit, the Detroit Public Library, you know, isn't being like contested on these things. But the kids are probably really unaware that this mm -hmm. hatred is going on, you know, in a cloud above them and stuff. 
they're none the wiser, but they'll have these ideas presented to them again, and then they'll be a lot more lost than the kids who had access. So I don't mean to get on, on a tangent with that, but But yeah. that, that's very true. And a lot of books is where, of course, where our children get their history. Yeah. And there was a black scholar. I won't say her name. She's in California. She was in politics. And she was on a talk show. And her concern was, and I'm glad she was on the TV and I was home. Yeah. Because I would have, I think I would have jumped up and clowned. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, you know, you have these, uh, she mentioned about the books and teaching children about slavery, white children, about um, slavery. And think about what those poor little white children and how they feel about it. And I'm sitting there thinking, as a teacher, do you think that black children like reading about slavery? Right. But they know it's their history. And it's something that they need to know. So if it hurts, it will just hurt. Yeah. And my feelings were that when I'm teaching and I'm not taught here in the city, and uh, I was concerned about black children. Yeah. Because they are the ones that have been shortchanged. Yeah. I think it's also important because the kids need to understand why the dynamics of society are the way that they are. You know, if there's no explanation, then they probably think, that, you know, certain groups of people, I'll say, haven't worked as hard as, you know, their parents or their family or things like that. And if they don't understand class and I mean, even with gender, there's a lot for, you know, girls, if they don't understand things about their gender and how historically how it got to this point and what patriarchy is and all of these ideas, then they could internalize some things that are happening to them that are more reflective of society than their output as a person or, you know, their identity or something like that. They'll grasp it more. Children of all races, mm-hmm. I think, so they can understand each other, you know, because yes. it's got to be confusing. What is truth? <laughs> like, who makes these laws to ban books? Who are the police? Well, no one really about it. I mean, I guess um, it depends on the area. A lot of these groups are not really sure how to categorize them because some of them have religious affiliations. Some of them um, are just, you know, groups that have other shared interests. But there really isn't anyone. I think the ALA is doing a great job. That's the American Library Association. They're doing a great job of monitoring what is being banned, where is it happening, so that we're aware of it. But I don't think there are really any guidelines on it. It's just people and their outrage. You know, as a teacher and reading a lot of children's lit, I can't say that I have ever read anything that would hurt a child. Yeah. And when I heard that Jacqueline Woodson was banned, and she didn't know. Oh, wow. She didn't know it was on MSNBC. Yeah. She didn't know until Judy Bloom told her. I was just going to talk about Judy Bloom. one of my favorite authors. You yes. know, I watched a documentary about her recently. And again, to speak on the experience of childhood and how you're really confused as a kid. And if you don't have these books, like I, I can speak personally, if you don't have these books to guide you or, you know, and, and guide is maybe a strong word, but these books to find a representation of yourself or to talk about the things that you wouldn't talk about with your parents potentially so that you can understand and demystify. If they don't have that, then 
it's just such a disservice to kids because these Judy Bloom books have been popular forever. forever. You know, the Are You There, God? It's Me, Mary, Margaret is a movie now. And that's interesting, especially in lieu of all of this, you know, going on currently with the book banning. It's interesting that they are at least progressing with that. They've made a film out of it recently and everything. So I'm, I'm glad to see that. But when I was growing up and when I wanted to find a black protagonist, and I was just speaking about this, I would have to go back to something re- regarding slavery, like Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry, or, you know, so, right. you know, but now there's so much more. Why wouldn't we have something for kids who identify as gay? Why wouldn't we have something, you know, for kids who don't know what their identity is? You know, I've seen some great banned books on that list and it's just like, I don't get it, you know? And Toni Morrison's Blue Eyes is on there faithfully. Like they just keep banning that. It's like, it's really, it's almost comical they and ludicrous. Like, yeah. You know, a lot of them don't understand what they are reading. Yeah. And how can you ban Toni Morrison? Man. James Baldwin, you're going to read more of him in college. Yeah. Because he's, because a brother was heavy, you know. <laughs> okay. But for them to think that these are horrible books, and I was looking at the news, and in Florida, some of the colleges were told that they had to ban. And since they have a fool for that a um, governor, you know, yeah, I guess they're going to ban them or take away their funding. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, and this is, Maybe a controversial statement, but at the same time, you know, if we're going to allow things like drag queen shows in libraries and things like that, which are not a bad thing, I don't think necessarily, but they're a controversial thing for sure. Why would we take away literature? It's like the two ideas don't really coexist well. I mean, if we don't want to expose children to things that they're not ready for potentially, then there's a disconnect somewhere in, you know, the things that people do think are okay for kids. And it's really all up to discretion and bias. And it should just, you know, kids deserve the freedom to read. They'll figure it out. They're going to be whoever they're going to be. They're going to do it. Yeah. No matter what. Tell a child what they can't do. Right. And just watch. And that's the thing is that it's making it taboo, you know, Mm -hmm. because I'm sure the books are being bought and read much more, you know. So it's a it's just inter- an interesting, you know, caveat of that is like, okay, well, now people are definitely going to read all, all of these books on this list, you know. And in terms of the drag shows, if they would have left it as art. Yeah, exactly. We, we wouldn't have this conversation. And that's what I'm saying, because I've seen some things where like, you know, there was a show that went on with babies and I guess the parents enjoyed it. But it seems like it, it just seemed a little... uh too broad of, <laughs> you know, you're taking liberties. And this is my personal opinion that I that I will stand on. I don't suggest that there's anything wrong with it. But you're taking liberties, but then you're taking away liberties. And this social climate, that's why it's so confusing, because it's like, let's make up our minds. If we're not going to expose kids, you know, to a, a group of issues, then, you know, let's not parade it in front of them as well. And where are they going to live? Right. Is there, do they really <laughs> think they're going to go off to Mars? Right. I mean, this is the world. This is the world. And it's really interesting that in Germany, those children learn about the Holocaust. Okay. Even though they were in the, you know, wrong. Yeah. They teach them what went on. Okay. And how wrong they were. Right. So why wouldn't you teach children, especially white children, about slavery. 
I can remember teaching and we would talk about slavery and they didn't really understand why there was slavery. Well, you know, why didn't they have it? Why didn't they go to Africa? So you get into the conversation of free labor. I said, they didn't get us because they wanted to see our beautiful black, you know, faces. Yeah. It's about making money. And this country was going broke at the time. So the best way to do it, get some free land. So you take that from that the natives and have free labor. Yeah. And it's unbelievable how much money that this country made. They really built this country on our backs. Yeah. They really did. Um, there's a sister, you maybe know her. She's at the um, University of Michigan. And she and her graduate students found the slave records for the Great Lakes region. You know, oh, wow. Because I was like, I didn't know they had slavery. Yeah. Oh, they had it here. Yeah. But most of us do not know. And if you don't read, you will never know. Yeah. And that's how I found out. Okay. You know, it's, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. I want to I go back a little bit to something I said earlier just to uh, make for sure I convey what I'm trying to say. In terms of like in the library when they do, for example, the drag queen shows and things like that. It's not that I'm against the expression because, again, children, you know, are exposed to various things all the time. But I think what it is and what, how it kind of ties into the banned book issue is that childhood is such a time of not needing anyone else's experience to color a child's experience, you know. And I think that that's the same issue that we're talking about, whether we're taking something away from our kids or whether we're exposing them to something that they would need to make a decision about if they want to participate or if that's the whatever. I just think that that's what used to be so great about libraries is that there were no rules on what you read necessarily, or at least in my experience, because I know banning books is not a new thing, but there was really no limit you could explore and nobody was trying to push ideas on you. No. You know, and that's all I'm trying to say is just that the imbalance between what we do push on kids and what we take away from kids and this, you know, this back and forth, it's like, let's just stay neutral. Stay neutral if can. When I was going to school, I could not do math and science. Yeah. I mean, straight up. Oh, I struggled through math. <laughs> so um, my favorite classes were English. And then our elective was the library. Yes. And that's where I could go and sit and I could read. And I remember being in junior high and the librarian said, well, Joanne, what would you like to read? What are some of the things that you do? I said, well, I figure skate. She went, went through the shelf and brought me back books. You know, you know. Yes. She, and I will never forget that. Yeah. You know, the librarian and people don't give them credit. That's why they close them up. Yeah. In, in this city, we have closed up too many. Yeah. Absolutely. Schools have closed them up after they got rid of music mm-hmm. and art. Then it's the library. Yeah. They see it as something, it's a elective that you don't have to have. Oh, yeah. You yeah. You definitely need it. And that's 
So sad. And see, that's the thing is that I'm meeting with students who maybe haven't had that librarian in their school or something like that. And so, you know, certain things about the library or about research in general are new to them, which is fine. But we could start earlier if we kept this going with children and encourage them to visit their local library more. I know before COVID, it was turning more into community spaces. And I'm hoping that we continue with that, you know, after the fact of us, you know, after a long lockdown and coming back out of that because people were doing more so events at the library and, you know, all of these great things that are just get the kids in the library. If we can just get them in there, then they're going to enjoy it. They're going to find something and, you know, have a good time. But I don't like the decline. In, uh, and what they don't speak of is how the librarian is the babysitter. Right. Absolutely. When those <laughs> children get out of school and mom is still at work, mm-hmm. they're in the library. Yep. So the library functions many, many ways. Yes, it does. Uh, there's a lot of social work in librarianism, too, which is part of what I love about it, mm-hmm. honestly. And then I just wanted to speak a little bit, too, about I imagine some people think, well, what does an academic librarian have to do with banning books? That's more like a a children's librarian or whatever. And I've worked both and I enjoy both. If there was a way I could do both at the same time, I would. But I think what's so important about academic librarians getting involved is because we're around the students who are like at the cutting edge of knowledge. We, You know, the education students, like the students who can also help these children and be a good example for them. And who would be passionate about this? Because these students are expressing, you know, like, for example, there's a graphic novel that's on the list, Gender Queer. And I read it and it was a really, really good book. And I'm sure that some of, you know, the students that I serve are aware of that book and everything. They probably have younger siblings, cousins, all of that. These are advocates for these kids. So if we're having the discussion on campus and, you you know, we're talking about this and and making the students aware as well, then there'll be a force behind us because... They're not with that. You know, they don't agree with this banned book stuff. You know, the young people don't, in my opinion. There may be some, um, but young people are really all about the freedom of information and access to ideas. And, you know, again, social media sure does tell us that. Yes. Information is traveling at lightning speed. You know, these trends and things, you know. It's hard to believe that so many schools don't have a librarian or library. I was fortunate to teach at a school where the principals had them. And when I went back to graduate school, I would leave work and I would go to Wayne. And so my students always had some type of assignment. So we would pack into my little car. Okay. And we would go to Wayne State. And that was their first experience with a lot of computers. But they raved over this lady who was a librarian. Miss King, this lady's so nice. She's so nice. You know what she did? She got me some books. And I'm thinking to myself, that's her job. (laughs) But they had never been exposed to that type of a librarian. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Mm -hmm. Very important. It's important that we work together, too. I try to bridge the gap between Wayne State University and the Detroit Public Library System because I, you know, really am passionate and I love both of them. And I think, you know, it's it's just great for kids to be able to use the library in that way. The library was always a safe place for me, you know, where you can you can read about anything. So once we take that away, it's like, what is this? What what building what, is this? What is next? Mm-hmm. Right. What, what exactly. is next? Because I don't think any child 
goes to school to learn how to read, write, and count. At least I didn't. I went because I wanted to, of course, read and write, but I wanted to be in the gym. Mm -hmm. I was a gym bum <laughs> when I was in high school. I So I liked the, you know, gym. I liked the music when I was in elementary school. Uh, those are the fun things. Right. Are. They're taking the music. It's like the music programs don't exist like they should, too. Like, uh, what are they doing to childhood with this, you know, this process of banning books and things of that nature and taking programs away? Like, this is a time for us now, you know, we're at a point in society and I know I keep bringing up society, but it's the truth. We're at a point where, you know, we're aware of all of these psychological things that we have going on. You know, people will tell you what they're dealing with and, you know, their neurodivergencies and things. And so because of that, it's like, well, we know what's good for kids. Let's do it. Let's provide access. Yeah. Let's expose. That's how we create genius. Yes. Once again, I'm going to talk about the parents. You've got to get active. You know, you really, really do. We have librarians, teachers with the knowledge of what age group should read certain books. If parents don't like the words or subjects in a book, then they don't allow their kids. Mm -hmm. You don't mess with mine. Mm -hmm. You don't want yours to read them. Don't. And if you're not okay with the events, don't attend them. That's right. Not, you know, protest about them. But, but I guarantee you, if you ban, ban a book, that child's going to find that book. Mm -hmm. And right. that child will, that book will be passed from one student to the next student. Yes, yes. And to the next student. Um, a lot of children will be able to read a lot of banned books because their parents don't come to a parent-teacher conference. Mm -hmm. So you know that they don't go to a school board. Right, exactly. So since the parents are ignorant to it, for whatever the reason, the children will end up reading it. Um, do you see the public school system here more open than a whole lot of school systems? That's a good question. I think they are. I do think they are. I think that they're not like agenda based. They're just kind of more open with the conversations and things, but they're not necessarily like I've, I've seen some schools that they have, for example, the teachers share personal information about themselves and things like that. And I feel like Detroit Public Schools doesn't really get off into that. They keep it just about the curriculum more so, you know. But as far as the banning books and the challenging of books, I know that they might not use any of those books in their curriculum, but I don't think that they would be opposed to carrying them in their libraries if they had them or had the funding to, you know, actually support a school library, because I, I imagine some of them, that's the issue is financial. I think they'd be open to allowing these banned books to be on the shelves, though, in my opinion. And here's the big question. Are parents of color more open to their children reading these banned books? And I hate calling them that. Well, they, that's ooh, that's a tricky good. one right there. I had a quick answer for you, and then I had to think about it. Uh, I would imagine they would be open, more open in some ways, for sure. But it would be dependent on the topic. Because I can imagine that there would be some backlash in the African-American community about some of the things that are about sexuality. I can imagine some African-American fathers maybe not 
wanting their boys to read certain things. So there, there may be a little bit of pushback with that, but that's a common issue in terms of just uh, how the community accepts people. And definitely, I think people are more open today than they ever were. That'd be the only thing that I would think that I would worry with that, you know, might be a stopping thing. But real quick, when we're going back to the past and talking about things that, you know, like in my childhood, how it was, there's something to be said about students and kids of color reading about other cultures, because again, protagonists have been predominantly Caucasian American rather than any of the groups of people of color. And so those people have developed empathy that other groups have not developed because they've walked the shoes, you know, reading these books, you've been in this narrative, you identify. There was an article I read about it that kind of spoke on that, where perhaps groups that haven't been exposed to other cultures for, maybe it's just because there wasn't enough of that created or whatever Mm -hmm. at the time and they just couldn't read about a black protagonist for example you know unless they're again reading about roll of thunder hear my cry and this is no shade to roll of thunder hear my cry (laughs) this is also an excellent book but i'm just saying i you know i read it one day in class and a student told me they're like you always reading some about freedoms like (laughs) well this is what we got like i'm I'm trying to read because i enjoy it so you know there's that but um i just think with all of that being said their empathy muscles aren't as developed and I don't know. I kind of I guess I kind of got lost in explanation, but that's the reason why I think that people of color might be more accepted because they've walked a mile. They read these books, you know, they read the books about other cultures and things like that because that's all that was available. Right. You know, now there's more. Now there's a great spectrum. I'm, I'm mad I didn't get to be a kid with all <laughs> with all of the many, content so now. Like, right. And they're beautiful. These kids books they like are. that's the thing, especially a lot of them on the block list, like the covers are beautiful. The ones that are graphic novels, uh, they're just pretty books. Like you would want to read them and hold them and, you know, see what they're about. So, yeah, I'm sorry. That was the long winded answer to. <laughs> no, no. I look at MSNBC so much uh, to that point when they have their books, when they're, someone is speaking from at their home, they'll have their bookshelf. I go up to the bookshelf and I start reading to find out what is the popular book because they purposely put them up front so people such as myself can, you know, read. Yeah. But so many of the banned books, they were authors of color. Mm-hmm. They were Jewish yeah. or from the LGBTQ plus community. Right. Those were most of them are yeah. banned. Now, I would assume that Judy Bloom's Jewish, isn't she? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm trying to sure find out why that. they are so, you know. Well, I mean, her topics are, uh, I guess they're still controversial. I mean, it's been like 40 years. Like, it's like, is it really that controversial She's been anymore? a long time. But I think it's because she talks about sex, to be honest with you. I think that's the big thing is, you know, like addressing the changes of puberty and all of these taboo subjects. It's like. The world still can't take that, really. Like, I mean, we know the kids are knowledgeable like they've never been before, so I don't get it, you know. Or is there something to be said about the fact that this is about a female body? For If I'm just, you know, breaking it down to mechanics, this is a female body, this is a female character. Is that the reason for the pushback? Would it have been different if it had been a male character, for example? You know, we don't have that information, so I don't know. You know, again, gender might be somewhere in the mix in terms of the discrimination. I'm not sure. I enjoyed her books. And when I saw the documentary, I was just really shocked at how many kids reached out to her over the years. Like, thank you so much. There's nobody I could talk to about these things. 
And I'm just, you know, glad that I could read this and read that. And so. When you go to the school board meetings or the state house, which you probably will, what would you say to them about the banning of books? Oh, wow. That's a good one. I'd be like, stop. No, like, <laughs> stop it now. Um, I would talk about childhood to them. If I had their, you know, if I had an ear where I could speak my piece for a moment, I would talk about remembering childhood, remembering being curious, remember not knowing everything and wanting a safe place to know. And, you know, not that they'd necessarily be able to go there in their mind, but if if they can go backwards and think in that frame, then maybe I could soften some hearts to, you know, realize that they need to take some action for this. These groups shouldn't be able to exert their opinion so much that it's affecting the public. It's just not fair. You know, the school system, the it's not fair. Like you say, you don't want your kid to read it? Don't let them. You know, they come home with the bluest eye and you feel some kind of way about it, march it back to the library yourself, but don't stop other kids right. from doing it, you know? And why are we trying to stop this conversation? I mean, because if there was a book about racism, like where we're seeing the point of view of the racist as the person that we end up, you know, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but the, the person, you know how like you can have a story about a villain, but then you're like, oh, well, I guess the villain does have some good qualities. If we, <laughs> if we, if we told a story from that point of view, it's like, would you ban that? Like, these are just ideas. These are just helping the brain to critically think. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not suggesting that they should write a book like that, but I'm just saying if, even if they wrote a book about ignorance, Right. And compassion for a person who, you know, maybe is just genuinely ignorant, doesn't know any better, whatever. Like, will we ban that? What can we talk about anymore? And that's even the reason why I retracted uh, just now when I was speaking on, you know, the thing about the story hour, because I don't want to exert an opinion that would offend anybody. Let's allow each other to be ourselves. Well, what would you tell or message that you would give to parents about this issue of oh, books. I got a good one. Because <laughs> a lot of them don't even know. I would be like, read these books yourself, you know, mm -hmm. or at least a piece of them. I always give a book 50 pages. And, you know, if you can't get into it in 50 pages, well, not all of these have 50 mm -hmm. pages, where a lot of these are kids' books. So, but I, this is just my little general thing. But I would encourage them to actually read it and then make the decision from there. Put yourself in the child's point of view, grab the book flip through it, see what you really think, you know. And I mean, maybe some of them already have and they've made their decision, but a lot of them probably haven't. You know, this is word of mouth that's traveling. This is fear. This mouth. is, you know, mm -hmm. don't read it because there's a such and such going on in it or whatever, you know, and then they form a judgment and opinion. I would encourage them to read it. I would encourage them to read it and have a conversation with their child. Mm -hmm. Maybe read it with your kid. Right. I mean, because we've gotten in a place where nobody can have their own opinion. Or it's bad, you know, like you can't be anti anything without getting a backlash. So tell your kid how you feel about that and let them make the decision because they're going to do it anyway. You know, you read that book and you're like, yeah, and I don't believe in none of this. Like, OK, well, at least you read it with your kid and gave them the information or don't. Yeah. And I have seen on the news some of these school board meetings and they were from the South mm -hmm. and they were heated. Yeah. And I said, I wonder how many of you have read the book. Right. One and a half. No, like <laughs> That's it. That's and, crazy. And, and, and many cases, none of them have. Right. They just read something that someone else said about it. Yeah. 
And the other thing I was thinking, too, is like, where's that energy for these television shows? Are you all going to pack up and go to Disney Channel, Nickelodeon or whatever and protest about, you know, because there's a lot of stuff in those shows that I think is, you know, for my personal taste, a bit much for my kids. My kids are all under 13 years old. So, you know, the agenda of romanticizing relationships at a really early age and, you know, some of these things that these networks put out there isn't what I want my kids to think about right now while they're in grade school. So I'm just saying it's like, keep that same energy. You know, you should be outside the television stations. So you should be you should be outside of TikTok with your signs and stuff if it's all about not exposing kids. You know what I mean? Exactly. So. Well, you know what? I thank you. Thank you. For, this has been awesome. For coming because uh, we have to get a lot of information out. All types of information. Yeah. And I find out that a lot of things that are going on in our community, in our country, in this world that we don't even know about. Yeah. We don't even know about the wars that are going on in so many African countries. Yeah. What is a coup? You know, I found that so interesting that people were saying, well, you know, we had a coup here. I said, we did have a peaceful coup. And I was comparing it to what my mother said, the coup that she personally witnessed there in uh, Niger. Mm. The only thing that we did not do, we didn't kill Trump and drag him through the you know, streets. Right. Because that's right. how coups in other countries go. Yeah. You, you don't have a trial. Mm-hmm. You out of here. You know. Like Gaddafi. Yes. You are out of here. But this country, you know, we, we're going through all this because these are white folks and we don't want to treat them like black folks or the way they used to treat us. Yeah. And I think that a lot of this banning is, God, we don't want our kids to know just how horrible <laughs> that, that we right. were because, um, you know, they may do that to us. Yeah, because these kids don't play that. These kids in this generation are like, what's really about skin color? You did all of that? What? They don't tolerate. Like, bro, you're doing too much. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I think that we really saw it with that chair. <laughs> oh, man. Hoo-wee. Yes, oh, indeed. I show every day I can't help but laugh at, you know, someone who has done a creative piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've done such a lot with that. Like, it's so silly. <laughs> they they really have. And that it's reflective of all of this tension. You know, everybody's just so tense. It's kind of like people don't know how to be with each other after COVID. You know, they I don't really know. Don't. People are wound up real tight. You know, I understand that the children don't because yeah. they were in-house with just their family. Mm-hmm. So they didn't get it. They but they're get... doing better than the parents. <laughs> you know, really? it's these adults that are. The kids are forming lifelong friendships. They're so glad to be, you know, but these adults are like at each other's throats about this stuff. Oh, my goodness. And then the other thing is like, you don't have anything better to do than to try to get books banned, really? Like, why don't you write your own book about your ideas or something like become an author? There's so many. Contribute to the conversation. That's that's the answer. If you feel like you need to ban a book, you write a book about how you think it should be or an idea you would like for kids to know about. And push that. Spend your efforts writing, not protesting, grabbing all the books, snatching all the books out of the library and 
silliness or foolishness of that nature. Yes. Well, for my two cents, parents take control of the so-called banned books. You read them first, and then you decide if it's okay for your child. Even better, ask the librarian in or out of your school. This could be a serious problem. I mean the banning of books. But if I remember right, some parents were upset and raising hell over rap music. And where did that get them? This is Detroit Joe signing off. Whatever you do, walk in love and peace.